Hello and a big welcome back to Expected Goals, the Brighton and Albion podcast. Time for a lone special now, with it being the winter break. Myself and Chai thought, what better way to celebrate a weekend of not being disappointed by Brighton dropping points by looking at some of the faces, particularly the younger ones who might be out uh, elsewhere in England or in Europe. Uh, Charlie Bellifassel, how are you with no football this weekend from a Brighton perspective? Um, very well, yes. Um, so we're looking this time outside of the club, as it were, um, Kind of when it gets later on in the season, it feels like a bit of a slog. Lots of, uh, you know, you almost get a little bit bored with your own team. And, and, and it's it's nice to kind of look outside some of the future prospects that um, could be uh, pulling on the stripes in years to come. Most definitely. Um, so we've postponed it upon ourselves to take a look at um, some of the young players in particular who are obviously playing away um, from the Albion at the moment. I know, Charlie, you've, you've had a look at sort of a few international faces. Um, what, what can you feedback um, from, from your from your research? Yeah, so I've looked at Leo Ostergaard and Victor Gierkerez and um, obviously the recently returned, or, or should I say arrived, Alexis McAllister. Um, so I think we'll start in Germany at St. Pauli where both uh, Leo Ostergaard and uh, Victor Gierkerez are plying their, their trade currently in the Bundesliga Zwei. Um, we'll start at the back. Uh, with Erstegard, who, um, of course, probably came to most prominence within the Albion sort of fan base after rave reviews uh, in the under-20s uh, tournament in, uh, I think it was in France. Was it in France or was it in Poland? No, it was in Poland. I'm pretty sure that uh, that tournament was. And uh, it was uh, it was the game where Eric Erling Haaland scored nine goals. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, he did pretty well to take um, take the uh, the plaudits off the off the forward, and I'll just I'll just read the review from uh, France Football Magazine, which is obviously a very well respected magazine, football magazine across the world, uh, and it and it goes rather than this striker talking about Erling Haaland, of course, it's more worthwhile taking an interest in central defender Leo Ostergaard, who has a classic profile, solid in duels on the ground and in the air, but also has a real keenness in his passing. Capable of extremely precise long balls, something which shows real technical ability, Erstegaard is remaining patient in the anti-chamber at Brighton, waiting to debut in the Premier League, which seems made to measure for him. So a glowing review there from a very well-respected uh, magazine. And mm-hmm. perhaps, um, perhaps will fit very well in a style of play, uh, able to play long and short passes very, very well. Um, hopefully we can... Uh, you know, we can see uh, how Potter wants to work with him upon his return. Um, concerning that, um, we're not necessarily certain what his future will be at the moment, um, because apparently, according to the Hamburger Morgan Post, he's attracted very strong interest from Bordeaux. And I, I found out that one of the club scouts, one of the chief scouts, Jakob Fries Hansen, has confirmed at least that they are aware of him and are, and are constantly monitoring him, which could leave us with a decision to make, I suppose, um, considering the rapid progress of Ben White, Hayden Roberts, uh, even Warren O'Hara, who's impressed in the under-23s of late. So we, we've, we've got a glut of centre-backs if you, uh, if you include all, the, all, of the, all of the young prospects as well as our, uh, as our first team, more established, um, more established players. Our club captain, of course, Lewis Dunk, unlikely, uh, unlikely to go anywhere unless an offer that he uh, can't refuse comes in. And then it, it, I guess it becomes a question of uh, what happens to Duffy, what happens to Webster, what happens to Dan Byrne even. And I am, of course, missing out Matt Clark, who um, 
football here is a, is a sort of even a different entity as well. So, um, yeah, uh, wearing that in mind, um, I think centre back is probably an area where we're most covered in terms of our in terms of our squad. Mm, definitely. Um, yeah. So he um, he's made he made his debut his full debut at least in a very fierce rival match against Hamburg, and this Saturday they will play the return fixture, but this time away, Ooh, which massive will be a game around 50,000 okay. HSV fans. So wow. be absolutely massive. And that is the kind of experience mm. that we both agree that we really want um, our young players to get. Um, okay. So hopefully he can, uh, hopefully he can put in another excellent performance and they can get a, uh, a famous double. That would be absolutely fantastic, especially considering that St. Pauli are actually sitting around four. I think they're 14th in the table. Hamburg. They are. They're right in a relegation battle when I look earlier on, um, yeah. which is weird because I thought they were quite a strong side. So I was surprised to see them that low. But just just building off a, a few stats, Charlie, um, with that glowing review is just echoed the stats I've written down. Um, he averages about five run passes a game with 50% accuracy. So he's definitely got the ability for those precise ones, as you said. 62% dual rate, so he can win it in the air or on the floor. Um, in terms of passing, he averages 41 passes a game. Uh, the joint most for St Pauli, um, by the way, and the most long pass of the game he averages for them as well. So, uh, as you say, a real sort of um, real sort of orchestrator at the back for them, much like a Lewis Dunkley's for the rest of the season. Uh, ben White will touch on later as well. Um, having the ability to not just do a certain skill, but in a very high volume for a team, which is certainly impressive at, at such a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he's putting up really, really good stats and he, he's gaining some really, really great reviews. I'll just, I'll just expand a little bit, actually, on... Uh, Obviously, they've got a huge game coming up uh, this weekend, and it, as I said, it's a fantastic football education for both um, for both Leo and Victor. Um, but just something that I came across in my research that I think is uh, really relevant and something that's um, quite an interesting, quite an interesting fact is um, the intensity of the fan base that St. Pauli have, the pressure that that beyond these young players. It's a fantastic football education, as I, as I said, for for both of them. Uh, St. Paul is actually synonymous with um, a very anti-fascist, anti-racist ideology and has a very uh, left-leaning, alternative cult following. Um, and I recently also found out that their anti-establishment image, uh, which is uh, depicted as a skull and crossbones, um, which is basically the, the dominant symbol of the club, um, has recently been um, earmarked by the UK government as a... Uh, as a as a symbol to watch, uh, like a like a terrorist threat symbol to watch, uh, much to the disappointment of uh, of their fans around the world, because they have actually got quite a large worldwide fan base, because a lot of people have taken on the club as a sort of political uh, entity, which is which I think is very interesting. Definitely, um, something that you don't see from a lot of clubs as well in in England is is having that presence um abroad especially that level for what the, the equivalent of what would be the championship here um having that that sort of presence abroad um and yeah germany for, for the credit they deserve have got uh, an exceptional um fan involvement i know that i believe in there's a 50 is it the 51 rule uh 51 49 rule in germany that clubs are a majority fan yes. owned um which of course is a big part of that so we won't touch on too much today because it's sadly not about the fan fan ownership but uh, as you say definitely a Sort of, if you can get used to playing in that sort of environment, we can talk about stats all we want. But at the end of the day, the psychology of a player um, needs to be resilient and needs to be um, able to cope in high pressure environments. And if you can learn that there, then hopefully comes to the Amex should should be a breeze for him. So, um, with those glowing reviews for, for Leo, should we should we touch on his um, his Scandinavian compatriot and now teammate uh, Victor Jarkeras? 
Yes. Um, so as, as you say, it's a f- fantastic place. Just that's basically what loan spells are about. I think for for the younger players, not just learning how to play football, learning to improve their skills, but just just being in a real squad and 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 feeling real fans who actually care about the result that much um, is, is massive in terms of their development. So yeah, Victor Gurkas, um, five goals and three assists in 15 Bundesliga Zwei appearances. Um, he's done pretty well by all accounts and three three goals and all three of his assists came uh, when he was playing as a left winger as he initially was featuring as a centre forward. Okay. Um, so he's kind of had a little bit of a shift in how he's being used. Um uh, which appears to have sort of paid off um, pretty well. I think he's. I saw his recent assist uh, against Holstein Kiel. It was a. It was a nice run from the left hand side across to the right, um, break the offside trap. A nice ball over the top, controlled, and then a reverse pass into the striker. Uh, they unfortunately go on to lose, but that was a really nice uh, passage of play from him, learning to come in off the left hand side and 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 make runs. On the blind side of defenders, I think that's um, a really, a really potent weapon to his game. It appears um, so. He's now a significant player for St. Pauli, um, and looks like um, they're they're keen to keep him. Uh, I saw that their manager Jos Lahuke said of him back in December. Um, so it's a little bit dated, but um, obviously he's making a good impression. That um, he plays with all of his heart, an incredible amount of ambition and joy playing for St. Pauli, and he and he did also confirm that he would like to keep both. Giracres and Ostergaard beyond the expiration of their initial loan spell. Um, and Giracres himself actually uh, did say that he's leaving his future open, saying that he really likes to play there and we'll, he'll see how it goes in the summer. But in honesty, I think we'll be keen to um, to bring him back. And I think Giracres himself might be keen to return. Uh, something to bear in mind as well. His girlfriend plays for... Uh, yes, Brighton. Amanda Nilden. Yes, very good player exactly. for the uh, Brighton women's team. I think this is really highlighting that the only flaw in having a good youth system and having good youth players who go out on loan is they get noticed. And this is one of the biggest drawbacks is if you have youth players that are playing really, really well, you've either got to bring them into your first team or they will start saying, look, I want to start looking elsewhere because I've got the talent. So it's sadly a real double-edged sword because of course you want to produce the best youth talent that you can, whether that be um, sort of Brentford has shown as an example uh, to sell players on or that be to obviously get your results as well. So frustratingly a, a big drawback and um, someone who looked um, very good when I watched him albeit for a very small amount of minutes in the FA Cup last season and, and Chris Hewitt used him in that wide left role that you sort of spoke about I remember watching him at West Brom away uh, in the replay someone who's got the capability to run with the ball and having watched him a bit as well when he played for the 23s um, looked biologically like a, a fully built adult um, uh, amongst the 23s which sounds a bit, bit stupid to say but you do see some youth players that Biologically, think you know they've got a bit more time to develop, or they don't quite look there yet. Especially in terms of muscular definition, um, he, he looks like a footballer, um, which is a weird thing to say when we've got five foot four Tariq Lamptey as a possible right back. But um, he definitely looks like that. And, and you spoke about his goals and assists. Um, when I look, the only player for um, St Pauli to be in the top three for goals and assists this season, uh, their second top scorer and third top assister, um, which is of course excellent. And the third best minutes per goal as well, two hundred and six minutes per goal. Um, or 66 minutes, sorry, is, is again a, a good return. But also top for most big chances missed with six. So, um, uh, of course, there's, there's a bit of give and take there, especially with younger players that you do perhaps sacrifice. I remember Wenger saying before, if you, if you play a younger player, um, obviously they're a lot more likely to make mistakes and you've sort of got, got to take that criticism as a manager. 
Um, and he's second, you spoke about his runs, second for uh, dribbles per 90 um, with 1.7, with about half of those coming off in terms of success rate. Um, definitely a talent from what I've watched, a good striker of the ball. Um, versatility in the front three is something we've obviously touched on in, in the segment that we unfortunately won't have today in Graham Potter's dream team, but a sort of role um, and a trait that we've spoken about, Charlie, that is essential for, for someone to have um, in a Potter squad. So do you think that sort of versatility could be a defining trait for him to perhaps perhaps make a break into the side? Yeah, we uh, would hope so. I think I think Potter is is keen to to use whatever he can. He's not. Uh, uh, it's it's tricky because we we sort of have a very easily defined, uh, clearly defined, even uh, kind of player that Potter might like, uh, which we've kind of explored in Graham, uh, Graham Potter's dream team. But equally, he seems able to use, you know, a wide a wide breadth of players. You've got you know six foot seven Dan Byrne, who's been a key member of our squad, and then you've got. Um, Tarek Lamptey, who's come in and by all accounts this week has really, really impressed and has got a really, really good um, drive and, and energy about him. So could be could be interesting to see him feature hopefully soon. Um, in in terms of his positional versatility, he can uh, play anywhere across the front three. Um, for example, in the last in the last game that St Paul he had, uh, he only played sixty two minutes after um and he was playing on right midfield as well and this is after he'd featured uh for five entire league games in a row full 90 minutes um so maybe a bit of an experiment in the last game featuring on the right hand side instead of on the left um and didn't make it through um so perhaps that didn't work um so i guess i guess being able to play lots of different positions across the front three is useful but inevitably players will have um positions that they they favor certainly which is a, a big talking point um Relating to Alexis McAllister, a lot of people have considered where he'll well he'll play in our system and where he'll fit in as as a as a defining feature of how well he'll do. Definitely, I think that's the same thing for, for sort of any player is um, the age-old argument of do you build a system around players or players around a system, um, which is of course the, the headache Graham Potter has. So you mentioned McAllister, um, we will touch him. I, th- I think we save him to the end, Charlie. Um, as we can obviously possibly discuss him um, with our upcoming game on Saturday. Um, away at Sheffield United, not Sheffield. For anyone referring to them, please do not call them Sheffield. Um, there are two teams in Sheffield. I know the other ones aren't very good, um, but Sheffield United. So we'll, we'll park Alexis um, f- for now, and we'll, we'll touch on a few that are geographically and metaphorically a bit closer to home um, in terms of our, our championship contingent. Um, so I'll run through a few of these at a bit faster pace. Um, Christian Walton, someone who of course, hasn't played a lot for the Albion, um, had loan spells, of course, um, previously going out on loan and is now um, at Blackburn doing very, very well for himself. Um, second most clean sheets in the Championship, by the way, only better by Kiko Kasia, who I know is in horrific form and um, kept a lot at the start of the season. Um, is there an argument for him to perhaps be second choice keeper next season or in which case, if he's not, maybe look to, to sell him and maybe make a bit of money for him because he's 24 now? This is actually a really interesting question that I've I've thought about. Um, it's a question of, and and you kind of touch on it a little bit with the cent with the centre back situation. What do you do when your academy almost starts eating itself in terms of the players that it produces? The the uh, the conveyor belt just catches up uh, with each other, and, and it just becomes a bit of a bit of a mess. You've you've got you know Matty Ryan, who's an established number one, um, Steele and Button probably unlikely to go anything beyond sort of steadfast backup. And then you've got Christian Walton, who's been on our books for quite a while now after signing from Plymouth. And 
we've it's kind of flirted with the idea of of, of coming into the first team, but uh, we've persisted with the with the idea that he needs to be loaned out and get some good experience. Uh, kind of akin to Jack Butland, I believe, um, he went to, to Birmingham in the Championship uh, originally for quite quite a while, and then uh, and then and then went and played obviously and did really well in the uh, in the in the Premier League. Then you've got Tom McGill, who's doing pretty well, I think, who had been doing pretty well in the under twenty threes and has since made a move to Crawley. You've got um, Hugo Keto, who I think is a, a pretty um, pretty able deputy. And then you've got um, his name just just escapes me. Carl Rushworth. Yeah, Is Carl, Carl Rushworth. Rushworth, Carl Rushworth. Yes. Bit embarrassing yes. there, but um, yeah, it just completely uh, escaped my escaped my thoughts. That's okay, we've we've got so many keepers. It's it's easy to, to figure. We might have to start playing two or three. We'll just exactly exactly. Has, I mean, has anyone ever done that? Like brought on another keeper, but not played them in goal. Like yeah, yeah. Near, near the goal, David James. Like, Yes, maybe we should. That, we've we've sorted our game management strategy now, right? We're putting Christian Walton on the bench. We're gonna we're gonna put Carl Rushworth on as well after that great save that he made um, at, at the weekend. Well, when we go one up on Saturday um, at, at Bramwell Lane, we're just gonna stick. We'll make our three subs, bring on three extra keepers. They can all just stand in the goal, um, and we'll just rotate who the keeper is. A bit like a rush goalie. They will just say, oh, we're, just, "We're just gonna rotate round." Um, but no, that they are, as you say, an excellent batch of keepers um, who, who are perhaps victims of their own circumstance in the sense that only one of them can play at any one time, um, and it is a real headache. Charlie, if you were Graham Potter, um, what would you do? Which I know know is a hard question. Well, in this instance, I think I don't think it's necessary to um, to to oust Matty Ryan from his from his starting berth. Um, Walton, by all accounts, has done really well in the championship. Lots of clean sheets. Um, a couple of penalty saves as well, I believe, um, and, and has really um, kind of built up a good reputation uh, in in the uh, in the second tier. So, do you know, it's funny. That's what I said about the um, about the idea of your sort of uh, academy swallowing itself. So Tom McGill is seven, not Tom McGill, Carl Rushworth. There we go. Uh, is is seventeen, and he is potentially a fantastic goalkeeper who made a really really nice save. Uh, which was doing the rounds on social media recently, um, and has done really, really well um, for Worthing, and, and apparently has had Barcelona scouts looking at him. Do you do you let do you, do you fast track him? Do you, do you, does he skip mm. the queue? Is he do you kind of say, well, if you're going to go with a younger keeper, you might as well go with, you know, you make an assessment. Who's your best prospect? Who's most likely to to become um, the highest quality? Um, and then, you, and then, of course, yeah, you have to make a decision in terms of maybe selling Walton or uh, or letting him go. Um, so, yeah, really, really tough one. But for me, Matty Ryan doesn't go anywhere at the moment. Uh, make an assessment in the in the summer when they all come back and, and train. And I think uh, Graham Potter will uh, will decide if there's any goalkeepers who um, will, are, are good enough with their feet to to play his system. Mm. One thing that I think will save Ryan is the fact that he is very good with his feet. And I, I, whilst Walton, I believe, is decent at kicking, I don't think he will overtake um, Ryan in terms of his uh, ability with his feet. So he won't, he won't be able to oust him. Quite possibly not. Um, so moving, moving on from from Christian Walton, then um, coming down uh, a bit more south now into sort of um, the, the London area. Looking at Jason Willenby, um, who's now at Millwall, um, done very, very well there uh, in. In terms of uh, a metric that's often quite overlooked as well by a lot of statisticians, 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 in fact, um, is minutes played. Um, 
of course, something which you sort of quite easily overlook because does it offer a lot of value? Well, for a loan player, you can say yes. Because if you're coming into a team that you're not permanently part of, um, possibly only there for sort of 12 months, um, even less than that perhaps, if you can sort of be become a regular in that time, it, it must say a lot about you. And he's played 90 minutes in 18 of the last 19 championship games um, and, and has been spoken very highly of, um, looked very good when I went and watched him recently um, in the Cup, as it was actually against Sheffield United. Uh, had had a good game that day. Seems very much in the Dell Stevens mould in terms of um, his style of play, of of his positions to receive the ball, his sort of passing range, um, that that sort of link play between sort of the back line um, and the other midfielders, if you like. Um, and biologically as well, seems to be a sort of similar height to uh, to Dale Stevens as well. Um, the only thing perhaps letting down a little bit um, is perhaps he's he's a bit raw in a few few senses. Um, his duels rate in terms of, of aerial and on the ground is just below fifty percent. So he's perhaps getting beaten in a few few duels. Um, and in particular, that's 38% on the ground. So, you know, he's perhaps um, needs to refine his tackling ability a little bit. Uh, and five yellow cards this season as well, which is something that Lewis Dunk seems to do every season and end up getting yourself suspended for a game or two, um, which can be a difficult thing. And, and of course, a, a player who um, a player who has the ability to get a yellow card, I think sometimes can be, can be a good thing. If you can have the ability on a counter-attack to um, produce a tackle that, might be questionable in terms of could be given as a red, but you know, force it to be a yellow and um, could be a good thing. But of course, you want to avoid your, your players getting bookings. Um, I'll throw it to you about Malumi in a second, Charlie. I just want to read out a passage first, though. Um, there's a great Twitter account, um, from the Mill Analytics on Twitter, um, literally just a Millwall version uh, of what we do on Twitter. Um, and, and I asked them, um, just talk to me about Jason Malumbi. Um, and, and I was met with um, a beautifully long passage that I'll read to you now. Uh, where do I start? Came as a young boy who hadn't played a professional game before and was wanting to play for Millwall. Straight away, his attitude was superb. He took a while to get into the team, but once he did, we've never looked back. Since Gary Rowell has took over, he's thrived and almost became a leader. He barks his orders despite his young age. He brings tons of quality to the side and expresses style of play. He's helped us to play better football thanks to his composure, awareness and fantastic technical ability on the ball. He's proven that he's capable of playing the demands of football playing professional football, uh, playing at this point nine games straight, which is tough in the championship, you know, with the, with the Saturday-Tuesday fixtures. Despite his size, he's aggressive in his tackling, uh, which more fans love to see, points out, and likes to press, making presses against the opposition goalkeeper often. Uh, he's been a wonderful addition to the squad this season, who can control the tempo of the game and domin- dominate and win midfield battles. And he says that more fans would, of course, love to see him back at the den next season, uh, but at the same time acknowledge and believe that he's got the ability to play right at the top level. Um, Charlie, what do you make of him? Because I know you had a particularly good um, tournament as well in the summer uh, with the Ireland youth side. What would you make of Malumbi? Yes, he did really well in in Toulon. He was um, he was one of the one of the players that stood out. I think uh, alongside Aaron Connolly, actually. Um, I think I think he's got a real edge about him, which which I like. I think he he's the natural successor to Dale Stevens in a way. Uh, can dictate the tempo from deep. Also got a pretty good engine on him, so it looks like he can get around the pitch pretty well. Um, in terms of, I don't know if he, I think I think he's got a decent height about him, a decent presence. Um, so he kind of stands out uh, in a in an underage group sort of uh, scenario. But when he when he plays league football, obviously, as you say, not winning as many duels as as might be as might be possible. They're not horrendous numbers by any by any by any stretch of the imagination. They're pretty they're pretty okay numbers. They're pretty decent, especially for your first. Uh, First full season of of, of, uh, of professional football, um, I, I think he's got he's definitely got a place in 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 our team in the future. I don't think we've got anyone 
really like him. Obviously, uh, Max Sanders is is a similar-ish kind of central midfielder on loan at Wimbledon. But I, I would say Malumbi is, is ahead of him in his in his development. Um, Jack Spong as well, maybe might challenge him, uh, a younger version. As we said, our academy is just eating itself up now. We're just rattling out 17-year-olds to um, challenge uh, challenge the ancient 20 and 21-year-olds that we've got on our books. Um, but I, I, I really rate him as a player. I like his steel. I like his aggression. And I like his I like his passion because he, he, he stands out as a player who is um, who has a big personality and, and doesn't mind getting stuck in. Definitely. And um, having been to Mill a few times, of course, famously in the Cup, um, not an easy place to go and win a lot of people over as well. Um, a, a very perhaps demanding fan base in some respects um, who, who want a certain type of player. And if they found him in Lumbee, then that could definitely be some sort of attributes that we're looking for um, in terms of our defensive midfielders. You, you mentioned Max Sanders, so I think, it, I think it's good to, to move on to him next. Um, scored his first professional goal of the weekend, an absolute corker. Um, of, a, of a goal, by the way, about 25 yards out, he's, he's curled at top left corner. Um, someone who uh, was part of uh, the promotion campaign um, with, with the 23s uh, under Simon Rusk, um, and has done really, really well uh, at Wimbledon. Of course, a side who um, renowned for, for playing at an incredibly small ground, I believe the smallest in the football league. Um, not a massive budget, um, uh, you know, real, real sort of a, a small fish. Um, of course, having famously reformed. Um, in terms of his numbers. He's one of their sort of um, top players in terms of volume of output. So uh, averages uh, about a chance created per game, which is the second most uh, of any Wimbledon player. Uh, two tackles per game, one interception, one clearance and one dribble per game. So a real sort of rounded output. Um, and those numbers put him in the top two for, for all of those. Um, and 78% dribble success as well is, despite sort of his, his low output, um, a very good completion rate. Uh, the third highest rating, um, and we'll touch on that later on in, in Shirley Come Lansing, um, but again, as we were sort of talking about the ability to dictate play um, and play those long passes, the third most long passes per 90 at uh, 3.1. Uh, and his um, passes, 25.5 per game, uh, the most of any Wimbledon player. Um, and 77% pass completion rate is also the best completion rate of any Wimbledon player. So not only um, are the players uh, of the likes of Ostergaard managing to do it uh, over in Germany, but we've sort of got players out on loan who are putting up you know, the, the lead numbers um, despite their young age, which I think on its own, Charlie, is very impressive, um, especially in a league, which obviously we've been in not too long ago um, in League One, which, which isn't an easy league to, to try and play fast football in at all. Um, what are your thoughts on Max Sanders? Yeah, so similar kind of reviews in terms of style um, for um, to Jason Malumbi. Um, he's, he's also played um, international football, obviously, and under, under 20s or is it under under twenties, under nineteens level, and and nineteens done really, really well. Uh, there, he was quite a prominent figure in in that team. Um, featured in, in in a couple of international games and done and done pretty well by all accounts. This um, this is a really good test for him to play to play in League One. Um, he, he's featured regularly, but obviously, as as you mentioned, he hasn't it hasn't been able to score his first goal up until very recently. Um, playing central midfield, you don't necessarily expect a, a massive output. Uh, in terms of goals and assists, uh, maybe you're just more of a functional, unglamorous kind of um, kind of player in terms of distributing the ball into into areas and, and to more dangerous attacking players. Um, but that that again depends on uh, from team to team and from system to system. Um, I, I think he's a player again who can cover a lot of ground. Uh, a player who's learning learning tactically in terms of 
positional sense. I think a couple of games I've seen this season, he's got he's a very enthusiastic kind of mover. Um, likes to press aggressively at times, maybe not entirely in the best times, but he's certainly got a massive future ahead of him. I think Chris Hutton featured him on the bench uh, at Old Trafford in the in the FA Cup um, two years ago. Was it two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Yes, yeah, um, when, when we lost, yeah, yeah. I was, I was there for that game and it was absolutely freezing. It was hailing it down with snow, really, really cold. Uh, but he, yeah, he got to enjoy warming up next to next to Pogba and, and Martial, etc. Um, so uh, that was a good good experience for him, even though he didn't get on. And now he's only going to improve playing uh, playing real league football. Definitely. Um, again, glowing reviews um, for, for Max Sanders, someone who as well. Um, I've not had a chance to read it yet, but I believe Andy Naylor uh, has done an article with him um, and said I've and spoken to him. Um, got a great personality. Um, and sort of uh, mentality about him in terms of his, his, how he applies himself um, and his work ethic, um, which is, a, of course, um, a, another fantastic trait for a player to have. Um, so moving moving on then, um, Matt Clark, someone who we signed, obviously paid paid a bit of money for um, in, in the summer. Um, I, the first signing for us, wasn't it, un, under Potter, um, which is sort of completely forgotten about now, especially with, who we will touch on soon, um, Ben White doing equally as well in in the championship. Um, Matt Clark's gone, from a Brighton perspective, it feels perhaps a bit under the radar this season. Um, statistically, though, he's been absolutely excellent. Uh, averages 45 passes a game, um, 73% dual success rate, by the way, which is absolutely fantastic output. Um, and dribble pass once in five games on average, um, which is fantastic numbers once again. Averaging um, almost two interceptions per game and a tackle per game, which is one yellow card this season. So, I, I feel like he's he's got that um, almost old school. Uh, I don't like the phrase, but that, that sort of defensive style about him, where um, his ability in the passing range, um, as I've seen from from watching him at Portsmouth, and um, I, I know another few Pompey fans who who spoke um, in in real high esteem about him. Um, really got the ability to perhaps be a real rounded centre back, almost a bit like a Lewis Duncan in that respect, where um, can almost do it all, which is definitely a fantastic attribute. Um, and I know you've spoken really, Charlie, about academies eating themselves. And um, although he's, he's perhaps a, a little bit older in, in that respect, um, have we got the same sort of scenario with with our back line almost almost eating itself? Yeah, I think we do. Um, and and to be clear, definitely, definitely not here. Not a bad thing yeah, by any stretch of imagination. If you've got um, if you've got too many um, promising young players, um, I'm sure I'm sure we'll figure a way uh, to sort it out and. Um, separate out who we want to keep and who we want to who we want to move on um the majority of young players of course don't make it so you know players can show a lot of promise like they're doing now and completely fall off um go out on loan to leave football and not and not cut it and and that, you know that, that happens very frequently um in terms in terms of matt clark um it looked like over the first few games of the season five six games of the season that we might have the two best english centre-backs not in the Premier League, in uh, in Ben White and Matt Clark, absolute rave reviews, infighting uh, from uh, between uh, Derby and Leeds fans over over whose was better. Derby have kind of had a bit of a topsy turvy season. Obviously, a lot of controversies, a lot of uh, a lot of things going wrong for them. Um, I feel a bit sorry for that for their for their manager trying to kind of manage and and, and keep keep the calmness and, and achieve what they want to do uh, with a bit of a bit of a shambles going on at the moment. Um, I, I think Matt Clark is, uh, by all accounts, perhaps not quite as good on the ball as, as Ben White or or other centre-backs, but very, very strong in the air, um, aggressive in jaws, and can actually uh, bring the ball out 
with his feet pretty well. So not necessarily distribution, but can carry the ball very nicely out of defence and has scored a couple of really nice goals for, for Portsmouth, um, do, doing exactly that, bringing the ball out of defence and then and then dribbling through. Um, so maybe he, um, you know, he offers something similar to what Webster Webster can. So perhaps we own, uh, you know, we own, we have a monopoly on 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 English centre backs who can bring the ball out with the at their feet. Um, so maybe maybe if Webster doesn't quite adapt to to Premier League life, obviously I think he started okay. To be honest, I think he's you know he's had a couple of really poor games, um, but. It's a tricky process, and he's not—he's not—he's um, not old or experienced, so he has to learn those things. If things don't work out with him, we've—we've uh, we've got a—we've got a ready-made replacement in Matt Clark. Definitely, that's a very good assessment um, of the current situation. So, building on Matt Clark, of course, and um, part part of the coaches staff now as well at Derby, uh, Liam Rosinia is of course there. Uh, I believe working with the twenty threes, um, so perhaps someone as well who could make a return to the Albion in in some form or another. Um, we'll, we'll go on to Ben White now um, and then we'll finish with, with Alexis McAllister um, I'm not going to chat too much about him um, I'll throw it over to you Charlie G- give me your assessment on, on Ben White this season Yeah Ben has been for for lack of a better term an absolute rev- revelation he has impressed pretty much everybody who's watched him he, he's, he, he looks like to be honest maybe the perfect centre-back. He is strong, committed, reads the play well, doesn't necessarily have to make too many big challenges. I think that's maybe one of the criticisms of him is that he uh, he doesn't perhaps um, rattle into challenges. He, he doesn't have that aggressive streak. Um, but for me, he reads the game so well, he's able to you know see where the, where the ball's going to go and, and be there way before any attacker can, uh, can exploit the space. Um, Leeds have obviously done pretty well this season, um, maybe faltering a little bit at the moment. So they're going to need, you know, this is a big test for him, a big part of his development in dealing with this high pressure situation going in, into the run-in of a, of a championship season. Hectic games Saturday, Tuesday, big games, you know, similar levels of quality. Um, I think I think most, um, most, most people recognise that he is, you know, a huge talent and that we've, uh, we're going to do well to, to even to keep hold of him. Um, some people have mentioned that you know there could be bids coming in from from the likes of Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, um, those kind of those kind of clubs. And, and if that does happen, then he might be might be a player that we actually don't get to enjoy. Um, a little something from David David Weir, who's um, the loan manager at Brighton, um, who, who suggested that arguably he could play for he could play for us now without any issues, and he's got better and better without which is not what people have expected and is probably up there in terms of the defenders in the championship completely. And he probably is the, um, the perfect example of, of how well a lone move can, can go. Um, not just for us in terms of developing him, but for a player personally, you know, his, his notoriety, his, his stature within the game is shot up now. And it's just whether he can, he can deal with that as a, as a young lad, um, not as young as obviously um, some of the other players that we've got on our books, I think 22 now. Um, I think that's about right. Yeah, twenty-two hasn't had his birthday. I'm not sure, um, but uh, by any by any means, he's um, going to be looking to break into um, our first team or or first team elsewhere very very soon. He's had some absolutely glowing reviews from Leeds fans. Um, of course, another club that aren't always the easiest to please um, in terms of players, and of course, don't seem to take too much of a liking to us either. So for for them to praise one of our players so well, um, perhaps reflects really well on us as a club and, and the academy once again. 
um, producing a lot of quality players, as we've said, almost eating itself in doing so. Um, one of the reviews that is particularly glowing, um, another great account um, for you to all go and go look at on Twitter that, that posts a lot of great Ben White related stuff. Uh, all stats, aren't we? Um, John, who, who's part of the page there, was, was kind enough to send me um, a review uh, of Ben White this season. So I'll, I'll let you take a listen to that now. I think it's fair to say that when Ben White arrived at Leeds, having played loan spells in Peterborough and Newport, the Leeds fans were a little bit um, hesitant, perhaps, to suggest that he might become the football that he has become since then. Uh, But obviously, there's been very little uh, sense that there were simply league effects at play. Um, Ben White has been absolutely brilliant from start to finish, pretty much for Leeds United. Um, He's played every minute in the league. He's contributed to 13 clean sheets, which is the most in the league. Um, And he he has just fitted into Marcelo Bielsa's system absolutely perfectly. Um, In terms of his attributes, uh, this season, he's made 2.4 interceptions per 90, which is the second most in the league. He clearly has anticipation and judgment as as key attributes. Um, he's also very, very adept at passing, as you might imagine, given that he is playing in a Bielsa system, uh, which is very high <clears throat> possession as, a, as systems go. He has 85% pass accuracy through the season as well. In terms of maybe some of his less good um, attributes you we, we we could have seen probably some improvement in terms of his aerial performances uh, we've played him uh, we've played him as a center back obviously but against teams that have <clears throat> against teams that have uh, played long ball or direct um, for example we played against Huddersfield um, they looked to to go long, hit the hit big target men, and then press high and heavy in the in the um, in the second ball and try and gag and press against that. Uh, we saw a little bit more flakiness from him, um, and so I think that that is a, certainly an area that we could see some improvement from. Um, We've also seen him played in central defensive midfield a couple of times, uh, which hasn't particularly worked either, um, although I think that's probably a, 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 some, somewhat of an unfair um, point, of, point of comparison, especially when our central defensive, defensive midfielder in Calvin Phillips is so adept. But yeah, Ben White has been the sort of central defender that we're not used to seeing at Elland Road, certainly not since the time of uh, Rio Ferdinand, who I actually think is probably quite a good uh, point of comparison to Ben White, um, an intelligent player who uh, reads the game very well, um, who is uh, adept at moving the ball, is a good ball player, a good ball carrier, um, and, and just very, very intelligent when it comes to moving, as you might expect from a player who's now been coached by Marcelo Bielsa for a good stint of time. Um, in terms of what, what Brighton fans should expect from him, I I suspect that were he to play in, in Brighton's back line at, at any point, however unlikely that might be, that he would slot into um, a Potter system quite well as well as a result of that. Um, so, yeah, all in all, Ben White has been a really impressive centre-back for us. Um, and I am convinced at any rate that he will be playing for a top five um, team in, in, in Europe even within the next few seasons. Um, so let's see what, what happens to him in the future. Obviously, talked about a lot compared to the, the likes of Rio Ferdinand and stuff, um, which is, is big praise for, for Ben White. Um, do, do you think he gets into this this current Brighton squad? I mean, he's obviously got the accolade of being part of the dream team. Um, do you think, hypothetically, come the summer, um, 
we've stayed up. We've still got Dunk, Burn, Webster. Um, do you, do you think he comes in? I would so the 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 one thing that that will determine how prominent a role he plays is is twofold. One, the formation that Potter wants to persist with. If he doesn't want to chop and change, uh, which he may well want to do, but uh, potentially managers want to kind of cement a preferred way of playing, whether he's going to play a three at the back or a four at the back and where Ben White fits in there. He's played on the right side of a two in defence for, for Leeds and, and done very, very well there. So maybe he would fit on the right side of the three pretty comfortably. Um, the good news is he, he wouldn't have to um, alter his position or indeed dislodge uh, Lewis Dunk on the left side of defence, um, assuming we're playing a four-man defence. Um, so he could slot in next to Lewis Dunk. Um, question obviously remains, is he ready for Premier League football? And you just will not know until he experiences it. Uh, the good news is, I guess, is that he has superb technical quality and, and, and mental ability to read the game, which I think are like the two, probably the two biggest things that you want to see from a centre-back going, uh, going into Premier League football. If he was more of a tough tackler, um, blessed with you know genetic advantages, just being six foot five, stronger than everyone else, and you know can can make up for his mistakes with 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 extraordinary pace. For example, um, that might be a different story that would um, would get found out. But whilst whilst being relatively quick, relatively strong, um, what stands out most uh, for for people is is his um, intelligence, and I think he would be a really good addition to our starting eleven next to England's best centre back, Lewis Dunk. We'll try not to promote too much Lewis Dunk propaganda today, um, as we will be here for absolutely hours. Um, if, if you would like to hear more Lewis Dunk England propaganda, please take a listen to the last episode, which can be found on the Spotify page uh, or on all other good podcast providing sites. Um, so before we jump on to um, Alexis McAllister, as I know you're dying to, Charlie, we'll quickly rattle through a quick game of Strictly Come Lansing. Um, for those of you who aren't aware of how this works, uh, we use Sofa Scores rating uh, if either a player's performance over a season or in a specific game. They're rated out of 10 based on a variety of metrics um, goals scored, chances missed, passes made, incompleted, dribbles, the lot. You think of it, it's probably in there. Um, I give Charlie a player either across the, across the season, um, which we will be doing today, to, to look at the lone players, or sometimes we do it in a specific game after a match. Uh, and Charlie, if to guess, he gets a point. If he gets it bang on, uh, he gets uh, sorry, two points bang on, one point if he's within point one. Um, so Charlie, I've got seven names to go through uh, to go through with you here. Um, we obviously touched on Alexis last week. Um, ben White, as we've just mentioned him, um, what do you think he's got out of ten so far this season as, as an average? I'm going to answer these very quickly because uh, in the in the interest of not uh, going in massive tangents, I would say with Leeds doing very very well and him standing out, I'm going to say his average of the season is a impressive seven point one. Bang on. I am fantastic a fantastic stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Let's, let's rattle through then. Jason Malumbi, what do you think he's got this season? A, a more modest 6.4. 6.63. You, you weren't, weren't a million miles off. By the way, just to say how well Leeds are doing this season, Ben White 7.1 is only the fourth highest for Leeds, which is mental um, to be averaging that well. Um, Christian Walton, what, what do you think he averages? Um, a couple of standout performances. I think a great penalty save at Hull uh, mm. stands out for me. But again, uh, yeah, slightly more modest. Six, six point. We'll just go six point four again. Actually, 
Oh, so, really? Uh, but a pretty good point from the keeper. Uh, might be influenced by the fact he got an 8.6 at the weekend as well. Um, uh-huh. I did post a couple of graphics of that on the page. Do go and take a look. Um, yeah, had a really good point. Kept a clean sheet once again. Uh, Matt Clark, which think is on this season? Hasn't he had a couple of injury issues, so perhaps he hasn't featured that much. But his average will probably still sit something around, yeah, six, maybe six point five five. You're being harsh, Charlie. He's got seven point zero four this season. Really? Wow, I'm, so, I'm so really very, very harsh. close to Ben White. Mm. Yeah. Good job you're not a loans manager. You'd, you'd have sacked him all off by now. Uh, Leo Ostergaard, what do you think he's got this season? He, I think he, I think he got a really high rating in the last game because it was nil nil. I saw that he got a nice eight point something. Yes, uh, but I, I would say probably on average, uh, I had a look at their their form. Um, not not great, obviously sitting fourteenth in the in the Bundesliga's vie. I would say an average of yeah. I I keep going for sort of the same sort of number in the hope that you're right. But I'm going to go for it again. I'm going to go for six point five. They do say the insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over again and um, expect a different result, don't they? Six point nine two. So, so you, you, you'll get there eventually, um, or you might not if you have the same thing again. Uh, Vic's dry carers. Surely less. Surely he hasn't. I mean, I'll uh, six six point six five. Close six point eight one. Uh, and finally, Max Sanders. This has gone very, start, very badly, I have to say. You started so well. You were two. You were two off the first one. I regret uh, my earlier arrogance. But, this uh, was good. If this was cricket, you'd run for a two and you just, just had dot balls all the way through. Uh, <laughs> need a big one for you to finish. Finish with a flourish, as they say. Um, so, yeah, again, he, he hasn't scored um, up until last weekend um, and Wimbledon sort of an underwhelming season so far. So I, I think, as, as far as I'm aware, anyway, I bet they're like top or something now. Um, but I don't think I don't think they've been pulling up any trees. Um, I will say six six point seven two seven bang on. So yeah. I think they've all surprised you there, which which they've all done quite pretty a lot. Well. Um, quite they have done results. Yes, which which obviously speaks volumes as we've we've spoken so highly about them as well. Um, and of course now we'll move on to um, Alexis McAllister. In in the interest of of time, Charlie. Um, I'm going to challenge you, see if you can summarise Alexis McAllister um, in his performance this season and what he might possibly do should he feature, because I think Pot mentioned today that he might well feature on Saturday um, at Bramwell Lane. Um, see if you can do it in 60 seconds. 60 seconds on Alexis McAllister. Charlie Benny, take it away. So, um, Brian Owen has recently said um, that he would not at all be surprised to see him start on Saturday. So maybe we will actually get to see uh, the great man um, sooner rather than later. Apparently, he's caught the eye in training. Obviously, a um, little clip of him beating uh, Adam Webster in the air, doing the rounds um, on Twitter, which uh, a lot of people um, <laughs> made a bit of a meal of. Um, so he's just been added uh, as the most recent player into uh, fantasy football, for anyone who's interested. A five, yeah. five million midfielder, so a very good value. Um, in terms of his playing style, uh, his heat map indicates that he operates on a sort of a wide left as a central number 10 or a, cent- a sort of left central midfield role. Um, and he's got relatively infrequent action inside the box, um, but this is reflected by his love of shooting from distance. Um, so he's probably more likely to, um, to to pick up the ball from deep and, and play in and around those half spaces. Despite this, 
Uh, Tim Vickery, uh, the South American football expert, has noted his Tim Cahill-like ability to burst beyond the strikers and get into the box. And he's also suggested that what will define his career, as, as alluded to earlier, is where he'll actually play. For what it's worth, I think he'd be brilliant uh, as a left-sided attacking midfielder in a 4-2-2-2, or maybe operating centrally in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, how much time have I got left? I, I didn't even start counting, but I thought that was exceptionally succinct, and, and I loved the passion that, that was involved in that. I'm trying um, to run through it, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll leave it there, I guess. Uh, that's absolutely excellent. Um, I've not watched too much of Alexis this season, um, but from what I have seen, um, just reinforce what you said, Charlie, his love from striking right outside the box. Um, so we look forward to speaking to you next week when he comes off the bench and scores a hat-trick, all goals from 40 yards um, and sends the away end into, into raptures. Um, that is all for this episode. Um, please, please do go and take a look at the Twitter page. Um, we post a lot of stuff over there. Um, and, uh, and as always, uh, if you're going to, to Bramwell Lane uh, this weekend, hopefully um, we do see a good result. Um, end, end the unbeaten run uh, would be absolutely fantastic. Oh, unwinless run, sorry, not unbeaten. I wish it was unbeaten, uh, the oh, winless run. So it, this was thoroughly enjoyable, I must say, Charlie. Um, we would definitely do another loan special or something sort of similarly themed um, coming into the season. Maybe something like a, a recruitment-focused one. Um, but something, something a bit different. Um, but that's all from me. Anything from you, Charlie, b- before we depart? Uh, nothing from me, but really, really enjoyable episode. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed listening um, to us ramble on about some of the great young prospects that we got. And we really do. This is an exciting time for us, I believe. Really, really strong academy. And uh, here's to the future. D- definitely. Um, thoroughly look forward to, to seeing how old of these prosper. Um, and, and when we're in the Champions League in 2025 and, and Ben White's crossing it in for Victor Jarakera's overhead kick, um, that, that'll be absolutely delightful. So thank you very much for listening uh, and we will see you for the next episode. Yeah.